My name is Jason Janus. I was born in 1970. I had a near-death experience in early April of 2020, right when the pandemic hit. It was between April 2nd and April 5th. I don't remember much of that time, but before we get into that, I want to give you a little background about really about who I am, who I was as a kid, how I was raised. My parents were not religious in any way, shape, or form. I don't know if they were anything at all. It was my grandparents on my father's side who really gave me the religious background. My grandmother and my grandfather were Catholic. They were very much believers in the Catholic religion and the Bible and all of that. As a little kid, started out in public schools, then I went to a Christian school for fifth and sixth grade. Learned how to be an altar boy. And growing up, I went through all the, the sacraments. And by all means, I was your dedicated Catholic or Christian. But when I was growing up, as a little boy in the 70s, two things occurred to me. I wasn't brought up in what we would call a healthy household. I'm not going to get into it too much. When you're beaten, it changes a kid. I did my best to save my sister, who was three years younger than me, from the beatings. You learned very early on in my house to keep your mouth shut. You didn't make noise. If you did, you woke up, mom, you got beaten. It was that kind of childhood. As a kid in the 70s, I would get up and I would get out of the house as quickly as possible not to make any noise. And I rode my bike everywhere. I was miles away from home. Nobody knew where I was. I just went out and did what I wanted to do. I had friends, we did normal stuff, sleepovers and stuff, but for the most part, I grew up that way. And somehow as a little kid, and I, I never spoke about this, I knew very early on, I'd say about seven or eight, that I was going to die young. I had this very, it was just a gut feeling, just something that I knew. As a little kid, you think 17, 18 years old is old. Who would have thought that 49 was young? So I always thought as a little kid that in, in between that and my 20s, I would have died. And it, it never happened. One day at about age seven, my grandmother came in to wake me up to go to church one morning. And I got very angry with her. And I loved my grandmother to death. She taught me everything, how to cook, how to clean, how to drive. You name it, it's where I learned everything in this life was from her. And I sat up and I screamed at her. I was like, don't you ever wake me up. God does not care about me. He doesn't. Don't you ever wake me up. And she was shocked and she backed away and she's Jace. I said, don't you ever wake me up, ever, for that. I said, I will, I'll take care of myself. And that was the last time I ever had a relationship with God, or Jesus, for that matter. I never spoke his name. I never asked him for anything. I just went and did things my way. And because I thought the things that I had done, I was early on at the age of five to six, I was sexually active. I thought it was the cat's pajamas. I thought I had a monopoly on what was going on. I was like, I never received any instruction of this, that, or the other thing. So I was having fun. And again, the only rule I had was before that streetlight comes on, you better be home. So I adhered to that. I, this was about 78 or 79, somewhere. so I was like between seven and nine years old when I quit having a relationship with God. Now, if somebody would have asked me if I believed in God with absolution, and I believed that the Bible was God's written word, his breath. That most of us are just going to burn in hell because we said, God damn it, Jesus Christ, or you experimented with the same sex, whatever. I was like, God clearly doesn't love me, nor does he want me around. So that was just my excuse to abandon God. I never stopped believing, but I never, it's kind of angry that I just quit having a relationship. And once I grew into my teens and into my 20s, it was still that way, it was Jason's way. I don't care whether I walked on top of you, whether I knocked you down, whatever. 
It didn't matter who you were, family, didn't matter. I just did things my way. And I had a rough life, I did. There was, it was just a rough life. And that was, that's just a little bit about my background. So now we're gonna fast forward and that's now 20. April 2nd, I came home from work, it was a normal day. And I was feeling tired. Prior to this, I had been waking up with blood in my mouth and my throat, and I was like, thinking I bit my tongue or something like that. And anyways, I made some dinner, and I came here and sat on the couch and had a bite. And then I went to take another bite, and I threw up, verp, and I was like, man, what was that? It was like, it was horrible tasting. I was like, wow. So I went to take another bite, and then I just coughed up blood bright red blood, covered my plate, covered my food. And you sit there in disbelief. You're like, what is this? Why is it? And then all of a sudden more coughing, more blood. And then breathing became extremely difficult, very labored, wheezing. And I got up and went to the kitchen and I'm like, I guess panic starts to set in because you're standing there, you're looking around, but there's no air to be found. It's just very, I'm breathing, taking deep breaths, and I'm still coughing up blood. And so I frantically grabbed my phone and I started to FaceTime my ex-wife or call her. And finally the, the face went through and she's like, what do you want? And I tried to speak to her and then blood just covered the phone. And I'm like, and she jumped up. And this is one of the last things I remember before waking up in the hospital was she was like, Jason. And I said, I don't feel good. And I said, I can't, I, I need to go lie down. And she was like, Jason, if you go lie down, you're going to die. My ex-wife is a nurse on RN. I said, I'm tired. I said, I'm very tired. I need, I need to go. That's all I remember. This is the first part in saving my life. I wake up in the hospital, in the ICU. I had tube down my throat, an IV right here, stuff in my nose, everything that you would see in a movie for that. My hands and feet were strapped to the bed. I couldn't move my hands more than a quarter inch. And I, it's dark and I have doctors and nurses. I couldn't see a face. I couldn't tell you who they were. And I was like, Jason, do you know where, do you, know where you are? Blah, 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 all these questions. And I didn't care about any of it because up in the left-hand corner, there was an undeniable presence. It was as strong as the air you breathe. And I was trying to get through and I was just looking at it. It was the TV, but there was somebody there. And I was just drawn to it. I just wanted to go there. It was a comforting feeling. One that I, in this lifetime, had never experienced something like that. It was just like, am I, I'm not, oh, there's somebody there. So this went on for a few days and I just kept staring at the TV. I didn't look at the doctors or the nurses. I was just there, it was undeniable. And finally, one of the nurses said, Jason, do you want me to turn the TV on? And I'm like, I shook my clothes and I was like, no. How do you tell somebody that there's somebody standing there? They're gonna think you're nuts. But there was a yearning inside of me that it's so difficult to describe that I just wanted to go there and I wanted that presence in my life. I couldn't make it out. So I get healthy. And that during this entire time, this presence is still there. And they, I had woke up, they had taken, the, taken me off the ventilator, taken the catheter out, the IV out. And mind you, in that month that I was there, I'd lost about 75 pounds. I was very lethargic, weak, I couldn't talk because of the tube. I was just, couldn't do anything. And that presence was still there. It was a late afternoon and it was a beautiful day. It was a sunny day out. I couldn't see anything but the top of a tree and, and, and the, the beginning of the, the sky. It was a beautiful blue sky that day. And I was staring at the TV and then and I still don't know where this came from, is I cried out to God. And I'm up on my knees, on my elbows, and I'm just shaking uncontrollably because I had no strength. I couldn't talk. And I was like, 
God, please don't let me die. Please. I said, I'm so sorry for abandoning you and for abandoning Jesus. I said, I never stopped loving you. I said, but I'm sorry for abandoning you. I said, please let me see my daughters again. I said, I said, please don't take them from me, please. And I said, I said, there's somebody here and I'm, I'm not gonna mention a name. I said, but I love her. I said, please let me hold her hand. Let me, let me kiss her. That's, I wanna be intimate with her. I said, please don't take her from me. And it was in that moment that everything just stopped. Time, space, the pain was instantly gone. I was in excruciating pain. I had, this was mind altering pain that I was experiencing. And it started back, I could see everything around me instantly. When I transitioned and I left my body, I could see everything around me and I went Voof. And as I was up by the ceiling, because I was now even with the TV, I could see, even though I was staring at the TV, I could see the grass. I could see every blade of grass moving independently. I could see the veins and the, the little serrations perfectly. And everything was encased. I could see their soul. It was like Obi-Wan Kenobi in Star Wars. When you see him come back, he had that glow around him. That's what it, that's what it was like. It was, I could see their soul and I could feel their love and how happy the grass and the trees were to see me. And the colors, the best way to describe the colors of the, the grass was this most magnificent deep green. It was almost liquid and moving. It was flowing. It was just beautiful. You just don't, you'll never see that, those colors here. And the same with the tree, the bark of the tree. I saw the tree's soul and it was the most magnificent and beautiful, deep, rich brown. And again, the trees were happy to see me. The white of the clouds were a white that I've never seen. It was pure, unfiltered, untouched, untarnished. And I'm young again. And like I said, the pain was instantly gone. And it was like a World War II spotlight hit me. All of a sudden it was just, boof, this love and light hit me. And the only way to describe it was like being placed in a river, a deep river, about 10, 15 feet down, right? And you'd feel the water hit you and then just move around you. This love flowed through every part of my soul, every part of my being. And I was invigorated, like I was plugged into the universe's battery and it was like, huh? And then the thought started to formulate in my head and I'm like, I'm home. And I'm like, home. It felt so natural and so comfortable. I had been there. I knew I had been there thousands of times. It was like putting on an old pair of shoes that you go mow the, the yard with. They're old, but they, you put them on, they're like, oh, that's exactly what it was like. And this love, it never faltered. It never wavered. It never stopped. I knew exactly who I was. My voice was the same, except I had no love of the body that was down on the bed. None, I did not care. I did not care about my children. And people say, why? And I'm like, because everybody and everything that was going on in the world was right where they needed to be. Everybody and everything was perfect, perfect. And that even meant that I didn't have my children with me. They were right where they needed to be. They were doing exactly what they came here to do. And I was just engulfed in this love and light. And then, as I said, time stopped. I don't know if this took 30 seconds, five minutes, or 15 hours. I have no clue. But as I'm looking off to the left, by 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, a figure appeared, or a presence, I should say, because I never saw anybody. The, the presence in front of me was God, or for all practical purposes, me. So off to my, would be 12 o'clock, like staring straight at you, was Jesus and his presence was undeniable. And the love that was bestowed upon me was so much 
The only way to describe it would be like somebody covering your, your nose and your mouth and not letting you breathe. That was stifling. It was the only way to describe it. And it was just so beautiful. I've never experienced love like that here in this physical world, never. And I never allowed myself to be loved like that. I didn't want to come back here. I know I had kids. I know I begged God not to let me die. And that was all well and good, but soon I felt two hands on my chest, so soft and so innocent would be the word. And I knew that I had done nothing wrong, nothing. And I shouldn't have been there. I should not have been in experiencing the love and being home and, and heaven. And I just wasn't a good person. And I didn't deserve what was, or what I thought was me being home. So as Jesus put his hands, which was on my soul, he pushed my soul back into my body and then pushed my body back down onto the bed. And I was instantly put to sleep, instantly put to sleep. I don't know how to describe that sleep. It was just the most profound, deep sleep. How long I was out, I don't know. Could have been 10 minutes, could have been two hours, five hours, I don't know. But then I wake up and there's nurses around me, they're frantic, Jason. We tried, we couldn't wake you up. And I was like, how do I tell somebody what just happened to me? I'm looking around, I could, they want to give you meds. And I said, no, I'm not taking meds. And I'm like, how do I tell somebody about this? Who do I talk to about this? People are going to think that I am out of my mind, that I've lost it. They're going to lock me up. Eventually, they let me go from the hospital. I was discharged. And I, they wanted me to stay, and I said no. And I should have stayed because I couldn't walk, I couldn't talk, I couldn't eat. I had no business leaving that hospital, but stubborn Jason went home and found out that my company had fired me. I came to a home to eviction notices. When I finally got to my bed, I laid down in it and I was like, I couldn't get out of it because I couldn't, I didn't have the strength to lift my legs up to get out of bed. It took a long time for me to get to the point of where I would literally roll out of bed and drag myself across the floor. It would take me hours to walk 20 steps to get to the bathroom. It would take me hours. And same thing with taking a shower. It took me hours to take a shower. And I learned through, I learned how to walk and talk and went through about a year and a half of utter depression, utter depression. And finally, about six months later, I called up my pastor and you know, said, I'd like to talk to you. I had this experience and went into his office and we sat down and I started talking. And again, I am just bawling my eyes out and giving great detail about my experience and everything like this. And he just sat there, never moved for 45 minutes. And he said that, yeah, I would like you to come talk to the kids and have you talk in front of the, the congregation. And I said, sure, I, I, okay, yeah. And he would refuse to turn, refer, refuse the, the text messages. And basically I was blacklisted out of the church. And I knew right then and there that that was the confirmation that I needed, that God does not care about your religion in any way, shape, or form. The non-physical world is, does not care in any way, shape, or form about your religion. It is a social construct. It is something we made up to make ourselves feel better. And I lived my whole life in fear that I was going to burn in hell from my sexual experiences to the things that I had said and done and I knew that it was, that I had done nothing wrong and that I was loved. I was loved more than you could ever possibly know. And upon knowing that had profoundly changed my life. So as I was sitting here at home, trying to make sense of what happened, I started to do research and then I got up, I was struggling one day and I was very emotional. I was walking back and forth 
And I was getting mad. And I raised my voice a little and I said, you picked the wrong person, man. You, you needed to choose the Pope or a bishop or somebody worthy of your love and grace. And this was the first time in my life that I heard God speak to me. It was as clear as day. And I said, you need to pick somebody else. And the voice said, why not? You are my son. And I just, I was at the end of my bed and I dropped to my knees and I, I held my hands up like this and I just, and I don't know where this came from or why it came to me. I never had this thought before, but I said, all that I am, I am you. And it took me two years to really realize the profound statement that was, because it was 100% true. And it was that moment that I completely surrendered to the non-physical world, to God. And from that moment on, my life had changed forever. Good things started to happen it, in little doses because I still had much learning to do. I did a lot of research. I had to find out what happened to me. So I went into YouTube and typed in certain things that I, that it had happened and up popped what they called near-death experiences. I'm like, what is this? And I started listening to people's testimonies and I'm sobbing for a year, just, I'm just listening to all I could and finally realizing that this happened to others too. So I started to respond. He says, people are gonna think I'm nuts. And I said, you're not, man. I said, I went through the exact same thing and I'm, I am struggling to function every day. I still, and I still to this day, most times I still feel home. I still feel that love. And I have grown so much spiritually, realizing who I am. And after my meeting with my pastor, I left Christianity. I left organized religion. And the moment I left organized religion, I became free, freer, I should say. And I follow me, I follow God or the non-physical, where we come from. And since then, I would say, let's see, was it last year? Last November, I had my first meeting with Archangel Michael at work. But prior to that, it was in 2022, right in March, I was very emotional. I came home, I got up out of bed, I was crying and as I was walking, I was like, why did you give me this gift? Why didn't you take me home? Why did I have to stay in the hospital? How ungrateful you think. I was like, why well, you have this most beautiful experience and here you are complaining about it because you think of the tunnel, you think of going home and that's not true. A lot of people will not have the tunnel. Why? I don't know. Most people, when they pass, they hang around for a little bit, their body, and then you're pulled home. And anyway, so I'm complaining about it. It's like, why didn't you take me home? Why couldn't I go home? Why? starting to sound like a little two-year-old. So I get up and I walk out here and I grab the blanket and I lay down on the couch. It's gonna pout. And then as soon as my head hit the pillow, I was yanked and everything went into instant black. And we're, I entered the void through the tunnel and the tunnel was just as black as the void. But yet the only thing that I could see was so far off in the distance was this little sliver of light, like this white out of nothingness. We're not talking stars, no sound, no smell, nothing. Just utter blackness, which is the void, which is home again. And again, I started feeling the unconditional love and I'm being pulled through this tunnel at the speed of light. It had to have been, it was unbelievably fast. And yet the light was swirling through like grayish, whitish, and it was pulling me to this a pinhead and it's now the white is getting bigger and I can see it more clearly. And I'm, it was the most magnificent white. Again, white here and you're like, wow, that's really white. You have no idea how pure and innocent this white is. It is just beautiful. And I'm being pulled towards it. All the love, all everything. 
is just flowing through me. And I'm like, I'm going home. He heard me and I was like, I'm going home. I was so excited, so excited. Like a two-year-old in a candy shop, man. I was like, I was going home. And then finally, there was nothing but white. The blackness had completely disappeared. And all I could see was this white and it was getting closer and closer. And I finally got so close to it, so close that it was just to the tip, like a hair on your nose away. And then I was thrown back into my body hard and I was like, it was a jolt. And I opened my eyes and here's my apartment again. And I was like, I was smiling and I said, he heard me for the second time. And I need people to understand this because we're all so caught up in our pain and our grief that the situations we go through define us. But I want you to know something very important is that one, God does not care about your religion, okay? Does not, it's pointless and meaningless. And that's that. But I also want you to know that you are never alone at any given point in your life, whether you're home alone in your apartment or wherever you are mowing the grass, you are never alone. Your guardian angel, your archangel is with you 24 since the time you were created from father, from father. An archangel was designed and given to you from your inception. And from that time, he will never leave your side. I don't mean he or she, they will never leave you at any point in time. So right next to me is Archangel Michael, will never leave. Second, your guides are with you 24 seven. They will never leave you. You are surrounded and you are love and you are never alone. That doesn't mean whether you're on the, going to the bathroom, taking a shower, intimate details, you're being watched and you're being recorded in high def, a definition that you can't even imagine. So I want you to know that you're never alone and that what you are going through no matter how hard or, or difficult you may think it is something that you created. And by that, I mean, when we come here, you do not incarnate here on earth without father's approval. When I say father, it's God. The reason I call God father is because in that moment of my transition and that love and knowing I did nothing wrong, I felt like I was his one and only son. There's no way to describe the unconditional love that is bestowed upon you the moment you leave this body. And this body is not sacred. It's not anything. It is nothing more than a tool that we use to get around. Like you getting in your car to go to the grocery store or the doctor's office or whatever, that's what our bodies are. They are nothing more than a tool for us to get around and there's nothing sacred about it. If you want to mangle it up and do this and do that, by all means. It's, we discard our bodies like snakes discard their skin. And we have no love for them in any way, shape, and form. It is so completely indifferent that I had no love of mine and I had no desire to get back in it. It is heavy, it stinks, and it is just that. It's just a tool. With that being said, we come here because we need to learn. Our desire to learn is why we are here on earth, or Gaia, as you may have heard before, is her true name. So we use, earth is nothing more than a school. There's nothing here that is real except love. Earth and our physical existence is nothing more than a simulation. None of this is real. Even the pain that you experience isn't real. But in the physical world, we can feel that. And it, it changes us. And when I realized that I had done nothing wrong and that this was nothing more than a playground, a simulation, or the matrix, I lost all fear. I fear nothing. There is nothing to fear because fear is an illusion. Everything here on earth is an illusion. It's a dream. We are all still at home. And when I say home, heaven, it's just a different dimension. And that dimension is right next to me, right here. It's that simple. 
So none of this is real. And somebody asked me, how do you know? And why do we come here to, and for, to suffer through all this pain? Imagine this, okay? Imagine your home sitting on your porch and you're with Jesus and Jesus is nothing more than your brother, okay? And we'll get into this topic in my next video along with the Bible um, because the Bible is wrong in every aspect. It is, and we'll leave it at that. But imagine your home in your, which is heaven, and to answer your question is, is back home, all we know is love. We are nothing more than love, light, and energy. And we are powerful. Mind you, we are extremely powerful, extraordinarily powerful. No different than Jesus. We have all the same powers Jesus had while he was here. The only reason he could do those things and why he was chosen for that because he was further along and close to becoming what we call an ascended master. So very early on in his life, he achieved Christ consciousness or oneness. And he had the ability to be at home and he could go come back and forth all the time. And he received downloads. He received everything that we still have. We're just not open to it yet because it's a state of mind. It's, it's your consciousness. We have all the powers he does. We are incredibly powerful. So to, to make my point is, so why do we come down here? Why, do, why are we raping, murdering, have, burning in a fire, having all these things that we call bad? There is no good or bad. There is no right or wrong here. They don't exist, okay? That's your physical mind putting a label on something that you went through when in reality it was nothing more than an experience. So my point is, is if we're back home and you went up to your newborn or somebody up there and tell me what hot is, you have no idea. How do you explain to somebody what hot is? By putting your finger on the stove, you learn pretty quick that you don't do that. Here in the physical world, because you burned your fingers, you melted your skin. But try to tell that to a new soul what hot is. We have no clue. So we come down here to experience what you would consider horrible experiences. Being burned alive, getting your arm blown off, being sexually abused, or we don't know what any of that is. So we come down here to experience these things. And we have learned to create labels for those. How dare him? How dare she? That's gross. That was blah, blah, blah. Doesn't exist, okay? They're nothing more than experiences. And I know now that my childhood, I chose my parents. I chose my life. I chose to go through these things. They weren't God being mad at me or abandoning me. He was letting me live my life the way I chose to live it. I had done nothing wrong. And through my whole life, I blamed people. I put that blame, as we all do down here, right? And that's wrong to do. Not wrong, but just I learned that's what I chose. And it all led up to my NDE. And in that moment of that realization and then afterwards of looking at it and being guided by the non-physical world was I chose all of this. And that when I chose to believe that none of this is real, it all just disappeared. It made complete and total sense to say when I said that, for all that I am, Father, I am you. And what does that mean? It's the same thing Jesus said in the Bible. I and the Father are one. I never heard that verse in my life until after my NDE, when I said, all that I am you, it's the same thing. Jesus saying, I am God. And he's saying, we are all gods, which is true. When I left my body and merged with myself, I merged with myself, my consciousness, my higher self, which is therefore made of the manifestation of God. I am. You are all gods. So being down here, we're just here to experience everything that we possibly can. 
And some of you are going to say, that's horrible. Quit, quit labeling things. Go out and live. Because I promise you, when your time comes and this body is going to die, it's going to die. Okay, you never will. You will live for eternity. A hundred trillion light years from now, you can come back to this very moment in time and you can relive it. You can't change it, but you can relive it. Now, that's not to say that, the, that there is a past and there is a future. The past and the future don't exist. Everything that is happening right now, if you were to draw a straight line, that is what is taking place throughout the entire universe. Everything is playing out right now. There is no time. Time is also an illusion. It's, it's how we can justify getting through a day. And that is all it is. So coming back now, last November I had, that would be my second spiritual encounter, maybe third, because when Father said, why not, you are my son, that's technically God talking to you in, into the physical. So it was mid-November of 2000. And I got to work very early, about 5.15 in the morning. Now, let me tell you, I was in a 500,000 square foot building. Nobody was around. It was dead silent. You could hear a pin drop. And I'm starting my work day. And I had walked down this corridor long, dark. So I come into a lighted area. All the doors were locked except a, a long hallway. And as I locked the door and I turned around, there was somebody standing in front of me. And I like, I jumped a little bit. I was like, whoa. Where did you come from? I didn't, there was no sound. There was no, nothing. And he was just smiling. He just had this smile on his face. And he said, oh, I need to go in the bathroom because that's exactly where I was going. And he said, I just want to clean up a little bit. And uh, so I walk in there and it's a very odd feeling like something's not right here. You're having the, that sixth sense of the, what's going on? And uh, he's just sitting there smiling at me. He started talking a little bit and then it was all about my NDE and I was talking about my experience and the love and he was looking straight up at the ceiling wouldn't even look at me he just had this shitty grin on his face just he's just smiling and, and then he looked at me and then he changed position and he walked over to my left a little bit and we continued talking this is probably about a half an hour and he just brought his head back down and he reached out his hand and he says your name is Jason, right? And I'm like, oh, uh, yeah. And I'm thinking in the back of my mind, I never told him my name. He had this, he was beautiful, beautiful. He had this beautiful brown beard, so trim, so neat, very short hair, brown hair, very square jaw, very, very masculine, just dressed in ratty clothing and stuff like that. But he shook my hand. And he said, Jason, it was a pleasure to meet you. And he shook my hand. I had never felt strength like that. He could have crushed every bone in my hand into dust, to dust, to nothingness. It was that strong, but yet he was so gentle, but it was just an unbelievable strength. It was, I know now, not of this world. And I'm, what, this, and I, in the meantime, I'm feeling a sensation that I had never felt before. It's like, I'm talking to him, but I'm also feeling electrified, like I'm communicating through my chest and it's getting tired. And he, he said it was, he shook my hand and he said, Jason. And I'm like, God, that's hot. I didn't tell you my name. And he says, it was a pleasure meeting you. And he turned around to walk out and he was right next to the door. He turned over and he looked over his shoulder with that smile on his face like this, and he says, Jason, I'll see you again soon. He walked out the door, and I'm like, wait a minute. I didn't get his name, so I grabbed my stuff. Three seconds, okay. Walked out the first door, get out the second door. Nobody there. Nobody. Not a sound, not a smell, nothing. Dead silence. And I'm like, what just happened? I'm feeling sensations I haven't felt since my NDE. And I went up and I sat down in my little area for a couple hours. Actually, I was wiped out energy-wise and I was like, what just took place? What was that? And I realized that was my archangel. That was Michael, without questions. And when I realized that I was now 
my third eye was opened and that I live in both worlds now. And at the time, I just didn't know how to, to, to what to do with that. Because right now, things are still happening to me on a spiritual level. And it took me a while to get over that. So we're going to go four months. Now it's March of... No, we're going to go into January is my second out-of-body experience. First was going down the tunnel. So I'm sitting here watching the football game, and I was feeling very, I don't know. I had been trying to meditate for a while now, and I was just in a zone. It was that night DeMar Hamlin had his heart attack on the field. And it was right in that moment that I had laid my head back on the couch here, and I was just relaxed, and I was just controlling my breathing. I don't know how this happened. It just, I was controlling it. All of a sudden I felt tingly and I was now walking on this beach and I could see it off in the distance, the sun, it was just magnificent. I could hear and feel the waves rolling up on the beach. And I felt this presence next to me. And I said, who are you? And he said, I'm Jeffrey, I'm your guide. And I said, Jeffrey, and I was like, man, I said, I can't call you Jeffrey, man. You're the toy, you know, you're the Toys R Us giraffe, man. And I was like, how about John? This took, this probably didn't take more than five minutes. And I said, John, I said, and this felt normal too, where I was. And I said, John, how many times have I died? And he says, you've died. And the number was just given me. It was just instantly in my head, over 3,200. I said, 3,200 times. And he says, yes, you're ancient. And then I was pulled back into my body and I had looked at the TV and they had DeMar Hamlin off the field and the game was over and stuff like that. And I was like, 3,200 times. I was like, wow. I got up and started pacing the house 3,200 times. And uh, ancient, and I kept trying to think of what does ancient mean? We're all, we were created before the galaxy was, or the universe was even around. We were around. That's like five billion years. Aren't we all ancient? And I was like, wow. So now this March, I was coming out of sushi. I was on a date. I had a good meal. It was all right. And so I come out and there's this bum sitting right next to the back of my Jeep. We're walking closer. And all of a sudden I get this feeling again. And I'm like, same jaw. This time it was same hairstyle, same everything, except this time it wasn't brown. It was like a darker red. Same beard, same thing, same square jaw. And he's just smiling at me and he goes, hi, my name is so-and-so. And I was like, hmm. And we started talking and he says, you love video games, don't you? I was like, wow, wow. I said, how would you know that? And I'm like, yeah, I do. And we just started talking. And then he says, I'm here in Wisconsin because I need to go to a condom walk to help a woman get divorced. And he looked straight at my girlfriend who wasn't divorced at the time. And she was like, got instantly panicked. And, and he started talking to her about very intimate things that there's no, I didn't even know that, you know, that freaked her out. And she says, and she says, can I go sit in the car? And she ran and barricaded herself in the Jeep, locked the doors. And I'm having this. So he looks at me and he goes, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to scare her. And he, again, the smile on his face never once left his face. So we're sitting here talking about some things and he's giving me fist pumps and he goes, it's really about the love. And I'm like, isn't it? And I says, the only thing that matters is love. And he gave me a fist bump and I fist bumped him again and his skin was cold. Not cold temperature wise, there's nothing in it. It was clammy. And I'm like, that's weird. And I'm just having these, this electrical, I wouldn't say interference, but transference. I am meeting him with all my energy and he's using mine. And I'm like, what is going on? And he said, I said, yes, it is all about the love. And he's just sitting there smiling. I said, it is about the love. I said, I had an NDE in 2020. And he stopped smiling. He goes, I know you did. And I was like, I instantly 
broke out in a sweat and I'm like, wow, what is going on? I couldn't place it. And I'm like, I said, hey, and he kept asking me, is there any place to get a drink? And I'm like, there's a restaurant right there. And I just came out of one. And he kept asking, I said, no, it's right there. And I turned around and I said, hold on, I went to turn around to see if my girlfriend was okay. And now he's standing in front of me, holding, holding his cane. And I'm like, I jumped back a little bit. I'm like, again, there was no noise and there's no sound. And he's smiling and he says, would you walk with me? Would you carry my bag? I said, sure, I'd carry your bag. And I'm trying desperately to put this together because it all seemed again, so familiar. Didn't need his cane, he was walking, but he had, he was trying to have some sort of limp, but he was walking just fine. And he says, I made a lot of money last month, but I drank it away. I said, what kind of money are we talking about? He goes, oh, about 110,000. I said, you drank $110,000 worth of alcohol last month. He goes, yeah, I'm an alcoholic. I mean, somebody like that would stink. He had on all these ratty clothes. They were, I wouldn't say ratty, they were old, like from the 70s, like old pair of 70s shoes, just what you would consider a bum. And as we were walking, he said, would you be okay with that? And I said, okay with what? Making that kind of money? A year, he goes, no, a month. I said, a month? Well, of course. I said, yeah. He said, but you're scraping the bottom of the barrel, like right now, because I lost my job in, in August. And at, at the time I was not making much back then. And I said, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm scraping the bottom of the barrel as it's the kind of life I chose. So it just goes with the territory of being poor. And, but he said again, he said, are you okay with that? And I said, making that kind of money? I said, of course. And the first thing I thought of with that was like, I can help people now. When I was like, I can help people. When before, if my ND wanted to have it, like, I would have been greedy. I would have been like, oh yeah, man, I'm gonna buy a big house, I'm gonna buy. And I was like, yeah, I, I was like, I can take care of my kids better. And I said, yeah, and he says, and he stopped, just stopped. And he put his head down and he said, would you be willing to relocate? And he turned around and looked at me and I said, relocate? I said, where? And he says, Sacramento. I said, California? Oh. Uh. I said, really? Out of anywhere? I said, you're going to stick me in California. I said, of course, sure. He said, walk with me. I walk with him. And I'm being drained. Like I'm becoming so tired, physically tired. And we, I get him into the restaurant and we get there and he says, your name is Jason, right? And I'm like, I'm like yes. And he says, once again, he says, you'll hear from me soon. And I put my hand on his shoulder like this. And I said, okay. I said, you have a blessed day. And I turned around to walk out and I turned around and there was nobody, he was not there at the bar. He wasn't there. So I hightailed it out of uh, the restaurant and I ran up to the Jeep, unlocked the door. And she's like, what was that about? And I, I started driving away and she goes, I said, I'm tired. I said, I'm really tired. She goes, I am too. And I said, as we were driving away, I go, oh my God. I said, I know who that was. She goes, who? I said, that was Archangel Michael. And I said, we were communicating or we were sharing our love, which is what we do at home. We don't speak at home. And where we come from, everything is through the mind, through our consciousness. We, and it's instantaneous. You start to think of something, it is instantly given to you. I knew everything there was to ever know when I transitioned out of my body. As we're driving home, got home and we had a small discussion and both of us had passed out on the couch for about three or four hours, knocked out. Because for an angel, an archangel or an angel or your guide to manifest in the physical in this takes a great deal of energy, a great deal of energy. And how we communicate like I say, back home is through our love, through our energy. We share it. That's how we greet each other. There is no hugging and kissing and any kind of sexual intimacy at home. There's no marriage. There's no nothing. It's just unconditional love and that's it. So we come here to experience everything that is not at home, which is what you would consider good and bad, right or wrong. And there's none of that here. It's not good, it's not bad, it's not right, or it's simply an experience. 
all the experiences that I had, I've had bisexual experiences. I've done what I would consider horrible things. But I know now that everything that I did was because they asked me to do that. We're all role-playing for one another here, ladies and gentlemen. We're all role-playing for one another. So when somebody comes up and asks you, hey, would you do this for me? Would you do what? I, I, I want you to blow off my arm. I want you to stab me. Why? And a lot of us, we've gone through those experiences and like, no, no. Finally, you get the one, fine, okay. And you're like so excited, I get to experience this. And then we, when we have this life, we live it, and when we discard the body and we go home, we go back and say, listen, pal, that wasn't very fun. Nah, that's, that's not, we're not rolling through that again. So we come here and we take these experiences that, that we have and we take them back home and we say, that wasn't great. Or hey, you really got to try this. That was fun. We're just learning in the physical world. From where we come from, there is none of that. It's just nothing but unconditional love and peace and happiness. And every desire you ever wanted through love is there. So we come here to experience everything that is not. And that is pain or joy in a different way, just through a physical experience through this body. And that is it. There is nothing sacred about it because it's all just a dream. We're all dreaming at home. We're all role-playing for one another. And that's it. We as a society has labeled those things. We're a labeling society. Pretty soon we can't even breathe without it being labeled as, oh my God, this, or oh my, you can't do that. You can't breathe in here. It's getting to the point of where we're starting to realize, and by that I mean we're transitioning right now. We are transitioning from 3D to 5D. And last month in August, I became very ill, very ill to the point of, once again, I was very lethargic. I couldn't even get out of bed. I couldn't open my eyes. I couldn't move. And I'm like, what is going on? So my boss finally said, hey, go check this out. So I went to the doctors. They took blood. They did an EKG. They took more blood. Everything came back beautiful. I was throwing up. I was dizzy. I couldn't walk. I fell out of the shower several times. I'd be taking a shower and I'd get so dizzy that I would just poof, fall right out of the shower. And I would crawl and I'd go lay down and I would just lay there. And I'm like, what is going on? All appetite. I lost 60 pounds from August up until now. I went from 257 pounds and I'm like down to 195 pounds right now. And I was like, what is going on? I didn't know, I quit eating. I would be lucky if I ate once a week and I take two or three bites and I was full. And if I, was, if I ate that, then I would throw it up. And I was dizzy, I was so dizzy. And what is going on? They finally said, we wanna check, they checked my thyroid. Finally they said, come in and we wanna check your colon. So I went in, they did a colonoscopy. They went in my stomach, took biopsies of my colon, my, my stomach, my throat. Everything came back beautiful. There's nothing wrong. I had to find out more about the transitioning. And what had happened is I'm not fully through it yet. I'm very close. Is I had transitioned from 3D to 5D. My appetite is completely gone. Everything, I've, everything that I've gone to try and do, like my old interests and likes, just aren't there anymore. Like playing video games, big gamer here was. Now I very rarely do it. Movies, I still love movies, but my taste in food has completely changed. I am craving protein on an epic level, like steaks, salmon. I eat salads all the time now, and I eat more meat, any type of meat I am craving. And I'm like, what is taking place? And I, as I was doing research, I found out that is what is happening. And I was like, it was just a very surreal thing. And my company fired me again. So I'm going through more financial for the time being. But this time around, I have absolutely no worries about any of it. it means nothing. I know what is coming. My meditation has be become so much stronger to the point of where when I was in that process of transitioning, my back hurt really bad, really bad. I couldn't lay in one position for more than two seconds. I would have... And it got to the point of where I was just, the only thing I could do was walk. And I was sobbing. I was like, the pain was so intense. 
And I crawled back into bed. It's the middle of the night. And I began to close my eyes and I began to just breathe, began to meditate. And again, this popped into my head, I and the Father are one. And it really calmed me down. And I was like, I and the Father are one. And then I changed where heart and mind are one because they're absolutely connected. They are one. Your mind and your heart are connected instantly. They are one. And my eyes were closed. And I just kept saying, heart and mind are one. And just kept the breathing. And then all of a sudden it got to the point where I could literally feel and hear my heart beat, every beat. And it was slowed down. And all of a sudden I just felt electrified, like plugged into a, a 5,000 watt plug. I was literally humming, buzzing. And I was, I don't know, I was like just right above my body. But I was so electrified. And then I instantly said, because I was laying on my side, and I said, I want it gone. And I felt from here, my head, it traveled. This wave of energy went down my, from my head, down my back, down my spine, and it got into my back and it just hit it real hard. And I went from excruciating pain down to maybe 20%. I said, make it go away. I never, I was just in that zone of breathing, everything. And I was just humming with just being juiced. And that same thing happened. It went down my head, down my spine, and it hit me in the back and it just crushed it. All pain gone. And closed my eyes and I was still humming and still buzzing and I fell asleep for the rest of the night. And I woke up and I was like, you can manifest and create everything Jesus did. You are powerful. You are extraordinarily powerful. You have just forgotten that. Because when we come here, we choose to forget. Otherwise, we wouldn't go through with our lives. There would be no way. We'd look at that and go, there's no way. No way. Nope, we did, we'd all kill ourselves. It's a, that's that simple. And some people still kill themselves because it's just too hard. And yes, suicides go home. Everybody goes home. And believe it or not, when you create your life, and depending on how difficult it is, your guides and father knows that there's a 35 to 75% chance you may kill yourself, which is completely acceptable because you've chosen very difficult. And father will say, this is going to be really hard, don't you? But as where we come from, we're like, yeah, we can do this. And we, and sometimes it just doesn't work out that way. And we end up killing ourselves. And that is okay. There's nothing wrong with that. You are going to go home. Everybody goes home. And I am now starting to control that power. So can you heal yourself? You most certainly can. Absolutely. And I'm doing my best right now to calm myself. There are many nights, many days now, that I feel like I am plugged into an outlet. I can feel the energy flowing through me like pulse waves, woof. And it's control. It's, you are very powerful. Your mind is incredibly powerful. You controls everything and you can heal yourself. And I am in the process of doing that now and you can manifest, you can change your contract with Father, basically. You can come down here and you can say, all right, I've had enough of this poor card. I'm not doing this anymore. And I have begun to do that. So when I meditate, there are a lot of things that I do. And it is the absolute 100% belief that it can happen. So in order for these things to happen, there's two things that, that have got to happen. One is not only is it good to give, help others, right? That's good. But in my case, where I failed my whole life was I wasn't willing to receive. I, I had that door shut. Okay, why? It's a safety factor. I was safe that way. Nobody's going to hurt me but me. In that case... The universe is working for you. It is there for you. It is giving you everything you need. 
and everything you desire and want. But if you are unwilling to receive, you are going to get breadcrumbs instead of mansions and mountains of what you want. It'll come in increments. And you're like, oh, something good for me. And then you're back. No, you have to be willing to receive. If you're not willing to receive, it's not going to happen. Or if you don't ask, the universe is just, it'd be like you going into the restaurant and the waiter coming up to you and saying, hi, what can I get you? I'm hungry, is your reply. So they're going to come bring you something. How do you know it's going to be what you want? could be liver and onions. In my case, I'd dump that right in the garbage. Right. You have to go in there and you have to tell the universe what you want and believe that it's coming to you. And not only is it going to come to you, because it is, you have to be willing to have your arms open and receive those gifts, and which is what is happening to me now. So as I'm trying to find jobs, all the jobs that, that I once had are no longer coming my way because I've been manifesting my new life. And in that transition that I went from 3D to 5D, there would have been no way for me to go to work, right? I was too out of it. So losing my job was necessary. I see that now. It's beautiful. So as I transitioned, now everything that I used to go for is not happening. I'm not worried about paying my bills. I'm not worried about any of that. Why? Because I know I'm taken care of. I know what I am manifesting is now coming into fruition. It's happening. And it's a beautiful thing. So that's my story. I want you to also know that you're loved more than you could ever possibly know. And you're never alone. In your deepest moments, your darkest moments that you think you're all by yourself, you're not. Your archangel is right there with you. Your guides are right there with you. Father is feeling everything you are feeling. You are one with the Father. So everything you're going through, Father is going through. You are not alone and you are loved unconditionally. You can do no wrong and you have done no wrong. All right, guys?